welcome to the second episode of the Curiosity Key podcast, where I'm joined with Niall Henry, founder and futurist of The Blair Project. In this episode, we talk about innovation in motorsports, becoming an entrepreneur, five years in business, 3D printing, inspiring and empowering young people into engineering, and loads more. Niall is an incredible human being with heaps of energy and a huge drive for helping others. I hope you will enjoy this episode as much as I've looked forward to recording it. Hi, and welcome to the next episode of this podcast where I'm joined with Niall Henry from The Blair Project. And yes, this podcast is all about tech. One thing to know about tech is to always remember to hit the record button when you are starting a new podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If you're looking a little bit like we're a bit confused or in the middle of a bit of a a giggle, that's because we were having a great chat and I realised that the record feature hadn't been turned on. So here we are, round two. (laughs) (laughs) Take two, action. Take two, action. So yes, I'm welcome. I'm joined here with Niall Henry from The Blair Project and I met Niall a few months ago because we both sat on a sofa talking about why collaboration in tech is so important. And I had the opportunity to learn a little bit more about Niall, his background, and the Blair Project. And as a big motorsports fan myself, I just found it absolutely fascinating. So when I told him that I was thinking about doing this podcast, I absolutely had to get him on as a uh, as a guest. So here we are. And we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, you know, the sort of questions that, that went through Niall's head before he set up his business. And also what's brought him to this five-year point because now it's no longer in startup mode right yes established (laughs) company so get in (laughs) (laughs) in full-blown danger mode now so (laughs) very very exciting because i think it was was it last tuesday that you celebrated your five-year anniversary yes last tuesday was the uh, fifth anniversary yeah, amazing. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Now is going to share some of his experiences as well and, and what's helped him get to this point. So yeah, welcome, Niall. I'm so thrilled that you've joined me today. Hi, Charlie. So thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you today about my journey as an entrepreneur, how I've got to where I am now and where we're going in the next five years. And just to talk to some of your viewers who are either entrepreneurs now or are looking maybe in the future or maybe even today to set their own businesses and be their own bosses and some of the advantages and then some of the challenges (laughs) that you get being an entrepreneur. So I'm very excited to share with you some tips, tricks and my story. I love it. And you've got a very uh, big social purpose behind your business as well, haven't you? Yes. So yes, can you tell us a little bit more about that side of things? Well, how, how we originally started, it was the Blair Project. We're a not-for-profit organization, social enterprise. So we go into schools and teach young people how to convert, use petrol go-karts and turn them into electric go-karts. And they get to see which is the fastest, but which is the most energy-efficient go-kart. And it's all about trying to get young people into STEM and especially down the pipeline of engineering, because there's a massive skill shortage in the UK. And originally, the Blair Project was just how we started off being a motorsport business, was to support young drivers, mechanics, and engineers from the grassroots of motorsport, mm-hmm. so we can get them up into the highest echelons of the sport. Because as, as you know, and uh, as some of the viewers may or may not know, that uh, motorsport is a very expensive sport to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you've not got the financial backing behind you, it's going to be very, very hard to get to the top of the game, which is Formula One, 
or Formula E, which is the electric side. So back in 2014, well, to give you a bit of a background before that, I was studying, I was at college, last year of college, 18 years old, was doing a BTEC level three in software, so computer programming. In my final year, a lot of my peers were selecting their options to go to university. I didn't at the time or haven't or didn't want to go to university. I just felt it wasn't for me. Instead, I wanted to go and travel and see a bit of the world. So in essence, that's what I did. So 18 years old, got on a plane, flew to America, was in America for about two months, traveled to uh, Hawaii, Los Angeles, Miami, uh, San Francisco, then ended up going to Australia and spending a month in Australia, Sydney and Melbourne. Loved it. Best, one of the best times of my life. Cut the story short, ended up running out of money, came home, was doing a few odd jobs, working in like Tesco's and stuff and realized at the time, I really didn't like working for anybody else. <laughs> uh, I absolutely hate, I mean, I did work beforehand for other companies, but I just realized that I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. And one of the passions growing up is one was traveling. I always wanted to travel and see the world, but two was to one day run my own business. Mm-hmm. So in about March of 2014, I was like, that's it. I want to set up my own business, be my own boss. But it was, what do I set up my business around? Like, But I knew that my passion was traveling. Mm-hmm. So where the idea of the Blair Project came from was my younger brother is called Blair. So he's the inspiration behind it. But he's a, a kart racer himself. So his dream was to get to the top of the sport, which is Formula One. So I thought to myself, right, if I can help my younger brother's dream come true and try and get him to the top of the sport, I will have then achieve my dream of traveling the world and seeing as much of the world as possible. And realizing that motorsport is one of those sports that is very expensive and very hard to get into. Yeah. So it's not like football where you don't need a lot of money as long as you're just talented and you've got a pair of football boots, you can get to the top. So I decided, right, let me try and make motorsport more affordable and accessible so that anybody can take part. So that's where the Blair Project started in March 2014. And how we did that was we were able to bring down the cost of karting, which is the, grass, which is the grassroots of motorsport. So we were able to bring down the cost from £8,000 to just under £1,000 using 3D printing technologies. Did you say £80,000 or £8,000? £8,000. Eight, come. Yeah. So from £8,000 to just under 1000 and that was using new technologies, new and emerging technologies like 3D printing and computer-aided design. So what we did is we computer-aided, used computer-aided design to design all the bodywork around the go-kart and put the bottom 3D printed it and mm-hmm. put that onto, onto an existing chassis in the engine. And then we got to test and race it. And that idea led into a school's program that we ran called ProtoGP. So mm-hmm. that's a project. So we went into schools, and basically, yeah, we taught the young people about computer-aided design and 3D printing, how to convert their model, their CAD models into 3D printed bodywork. And then they got to test and race it around a motorsport circuit in Wigan. And Amazing. then, which is, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and then we were very fortunate enough on our very first test day of ProtoGP to have His Royal Highness Prince Harry come down, which gave us not only national coverage, but gave us international coverage, which was absolutely fantastic. To the point where we had an American university based out in Indianapolis contact us saying, we love what you guys are doing in the UK. We'd like to partner with you guys and bring, basically they did electric go-karts. 
So we were able to see that there, was, there wasn't a market in the UK for outdoor electric racing. So we were able to bring that model to the UK. And that's where Proto EV, the STEM challenge came from, where we go into schools and teach young people how to convert used factual go-karts into outdoor electric racing e-karts, which gets to test and race. Amazing. And I, I just keep thinking about this. I'm like, why was this not available when I was at school? <laughs> <laughs> I asked myself the same question. I would have been more... I would have been more interested in school, or sorry, engaged in school, yeah. had exciting programs like this come into my oh, I know. I just keep thinking that, you know, I was I was bored senseless at school. Um, my school didn't really kind of foster an environment where you were okay to ask questions. You know, I was one of those annoying kids in the back sort of going, but why do we need to learn this? Or why does this work? <laughs> yeah. Well, it would have been perfect because you can get your hands on it and then kind of directly see uh, the results of what it is that you're working on as well. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I didn't really enjoy school too much. Unfortunately, um, I was a bit disinterested in it because I fell into the middle category. So I wasn't the most naughty child at school and I wasn't the most brainiest child at school. So I fell into the middle. I did well at school, by the way. Um, But I felt (laughs) like the the teachers probably put their attention towards that side. So if you were the troublesome kids, you got a lot of attention. And if you were the smartest kids, you got a lot of attention. So... I just felt like, yeah, school wasn't for me. So I personally didn't learn. I felt I learned so much after school then. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I think I think there's some research somewhere. I'll have to dig it out on the background of successful entrepreneurs, uh, successful business leaders about, you know, kind of their school background kind of sitting in the middle as well. Could be wrong there. I'm probably incorrectly quoting it. I'll have to dig out the research, but I'm sure I've read something that backs that up because I think we're naturally curious people and want to want to find out more and be able to ask those questions. So speaking of questions, kind of what what question did you have in your mind or like what was that kind of seed that moved you on to that next step to sort of go from an idea about starting your own business to actually starting your own business you know what what made that happen I think for me it was I think it was right I I say my passion is traveling I want to do something that's gonna give me an opportunity that I can go out and travel the world but again I, I realized that one of the things I am I'm a, I'm a very caring person and I always put others before myself and for instance so for example I really wanted to help make my brother's dream come true just for knowing that he is very talented and I, th- I think he'd definitely be a great racer but it was well as saying right he if I can get him to anywhere in motorsport so just racing professionally or getting to the top then I can facilitate my dream happening as well um and then one of the ways I managed to do that and get the business started is I realized right my biggest mentor is my mom Dr. Marilyn Comrie so she's a trained business leader and coach. So she was able to mentor me into starting my business. And she still does mentor me to this day. So any questions I had, I was like, how do I get started? How do I get funding? Because we're a social enterprise. And just any of those questions, I was able to go to her and ask. And if she didn't know the answer, most of the time she did know the answer anyway. But for any answers she didn't have, she, through her career being a business leader and a coach, she had a lot of connections which she built through using social media like LinkedIn. She was able to connect me with the right people who could make my vision come to life. So for example, we knew we had this idea of, right, we want to make motorsport more affordable and accessible. Cool. How do we go about doing that? Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of things uh, like articles popping up 
about 3D printing and it's going to be the next revolutionary thing. Um, I thought, wow, okay, that's that sounds great. What if we were able to 3D print our own go-karts? And my mom, she was like, yeah, that, that would be a great idea. Like, maybe we should get a 3D printer and let's, <laughs> let's see if we can learn how to do this. So we didn't have a foggiest idea of how to do it, but we realized basically, we were based in Wigan at the time. And there was a 3D printing company based in Chorley called Ultimaker. They're actually a Dutch company, but they've got a British arm in Chorley. So through LinkedIn, we got a connection with them and they invited us to their offices. And we basically had a chat about what we were trying to do, bring down the cost of motorsport, but we would want to see if if it was possible to build a 3D printed go-kart. So they were able to facilitate that. So we purchased two 3D printers and they hooked us up to a retired Jaguar Land Rover engineer called Steve Cox. Mm-hmm. And he's, he basically helped us to make the project come to life. So we created the models on Acuitoid Design, 3D printed and made a little prototype to demonstrate. And then we were able to bring the project to life and create a full scale 3D printed go-kart. Wow. So yeah, being able to flog your ideas to other people and say, right, think about this. Do you know anybody that could help make this? Or like, could you connect me to anybody? And I think it's just having those conversations, really. I think there's a real skill, isn't there, in terms of asking the right questions and knowing what to ask. Because I know that if from my experience, I think I always used to struggle asking the right questions. So I came across as one of those really irritating, inquisitive people that was just like, <laughs> right, I'm just going to keep asking you until you give me the, uh, the information that I need. And then I think obviously through age and experience, you kind of learn that there is a better way of asking those questions. Yes. But wow, like having a mum with all of that experience and those connections to help you get started, I can imagine you know that would be such a huge asset to anybody yeah I mean I don't think I'd have got as far as I have now without having my mum as part of the team so she does a lot of the business development side for the Blair project so through her 30 years of working in industry and she's worked for the BBC and media she's got a lot of connections which are like gold dust so it's only in the last two years we started to realize that connections are worth a lot of money and you only get that through years and years of building them whether it's going through networking events through connections through other people that's when you start to realize wow yeah they're worth a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) well you've kind of started one of my questions that I always like to ask people is that you know how do you value your network which I think you've sort of answered that really what was the kind of turning point for you because there are a lot of you know, business owners, uh, business leaders that are sort of looking to try and shortcut the process in terms of find quicker ways of developing those relationships or finding those people. Do you have any advice or, you know, experience around the fact that, you know, you've spent the time nurturing those relationships and also kind of like off the back of other people's relationships that have developed over time? I mean, I think the best way to build relationships and nurture them, I say a lot of our connections have come through LinkedIn. Yeah. So that's been the very best thing to ever happen for our company. So I feel like if you're somebody who's just starting out and want to make their way into the business world, Facebook and Twitter is great. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to build on your business and get the right people who, A, can introduce you to the right people or could end up being a customer or investor in your company, I think you need to go through LinkedIn. And let's give you one key point, I'd say, and Charlie, you probably know a bit more anyway, but I'd say when you're connecting with people, 
try and have somebody else introduce you to those people rather than going cold and sometimes send a personalized note as well because it's a lot more it means a lot more if somebody's uh, sending something personal rather than just either nothing generic connection or just bombarding them with yeah just a yeah generic message so i think going through somebody that you know to connect with somebody is the best way attending networking events and meeting the people face to face is another good shout oh yeah sorry what was the question what was the question again I've forgotten it now. I was like, this is <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it was it was around the advice that you give to people in terms of not shortcutting the process and and understanding yeah. that great relationships do take that time to develop. Yeah, I'd, have to, I'd also say yes. So just spend the time getting to nurture them and develop it, and don't be afraid to approach people. Uh, one of the things that happens when you first start your company, and sometimes it happens still, is that you might get a bit shy and nervous about approaching that person to say oh can I talk to you about my business and what we do and is there a way we can work together or as a customer don't just don't be afraid to take risks uh, if you don't take risks you're not going to get as far in your career or in your business so just don't be afraid basically oh, that's that is amazing advice and I think it's something that I talk about a lot which is like kind of not let fear get in the way of you achieving your dreams and your goals Uh, and that sometimes you know you have to step outside of your comfort zone to kind of chase down the things that are most important and that will add the most value to what it is that you're doing um you know you've been incredibly lucky to have a a mum with the kind of coaching and mentoring experience and I know that uh because are are you part of the tech north uh, sorry tech manchester mentoring program no no so and that's one of the things I'd say is that what's been really helpful to me is because the Blair Project is a family-owned business and it's helped that my mum's had those years of experience. She's predominantly been my mentor. And I think utilizing your family network, but as well as the connections you can get from your family mm-hmm. is a big benefactor. I've also been a part of programs like the Business Growth Hub. Yeah. Which, has been, which has been useful, but I've learned a lot more through my mom because she's, I say, she's a trained business coach and mentor. So that's probably been how I've gotten so far in my line of work is through her mentorship and leadership. I love coaching. I think coaching's got a bit of a, a bad name in the industry at the moment for various different reasons. Uh, and I've always looked at coaching as uh, a means of accelerating your growth or to get you where you want to go, but faster. Yeah. Um, the, I, I was really lucky that the jobs I've had in the past, we were kind of encouraged and trained to be coaches instead of managers and uh, very much around the concept of leadership instead of management. Mm-hmm. And that's really helped me out because as soon as I started my business, it's that, you know, finding a coach and somebody that can challenge you and support you and help you will help you get to where you want to go a lot faster. I agree with you there. But it's, again, it's finding that right person yeah. for you. Not everyone, not every coach and mentor is ideally suited for you. But it's all about finding that right one, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I, I would say I'm lucky enough that it, it was my mum. But yeah, it's, if you can find that right person who can who can help you to grow yeah. and just make you think in a different way. Because you've actually said before, setting up the Blair Project, I had no entrepreneurial skills, didn't study business or anything. I just came in absolutely cold. All I know is I had a vision and an idea of where I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. but 
didn't know where to start. So having that person who can say, right, this is what you need to do to get here is a key and essential. And then also as well, it's not about just having one mentor. If you can have lots and lots of mentors, yeah. um, just people that can help you think in lots of different ways, that is, that is key. That, is, that would be good for you. Yeah, because like you said, when you start your own business, you don't have all of the answers at the right time. You don't have all of these experiences and finding mentors and coaches that have, that specialize in each of those different areas is really key. And I think like you said, that is the, uh, was it the digital growth hub or the growth hub? Uh, the business growth hub. Business growth hub. There's lots of different accelerators available. You know, I'm a business mentor for Tech Manchester, but it doesn't mean that you have to be in Manchester. There are uh, lots of different places that you can go and look for uh, free mentors. There's a lot of people that would be willing to give you their advice. You've just got to go and ask for it. But yeah, no, it's it's really really key to um, help you accelerate your growth and get you where you want to go. But we touched a little bit upon uh, the fact that you've five years in now, and I think it was before we hit record. <laughs> um, you know, you've got lots of exciting things going on and lots of exciting things planned for the next five years. So can you tell us a little bit more about what we can expect? Well, one of the most exciting projects that I'm working on at the moment is building uh, in collaboration with the Graphene Engineering Innovation Centre. Mm-hmm. We're building the world's first graphene electric go-kart. Wow. So, and how that's going to work is that we're going to, and I don't know if you, a lot of your viewers will know a bit much about graphene, but it's this new wonder material. Well, new, it was discovered about 15 years ago at the University of Manchester. So Manchester is the home of graphene, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, I always pump that one uh, to everybody. But it's this new wonder material, so it can be used as a supercapacitor. So it can generate a lot of electricity, it can generate electricity and also heat as well. So the project that we're working on on these e-carts is we're going to use artificial intelligence and also computer-aided design to build the framework of the chassis of the go-kart, but apply graphene technologies to the frame, but also as well use graphene batteries that will go into our carts. So essentially what can happen is while the cart is on the circuit and it's racing, it can be charging itself up at the same time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And at the moment, the, the, the industry standard batteries are lithium-ion, but they're like a bomb. Uh, so. <laughs> they're not great to travel with, are they? <laughs> no, no, no. So it can be highly flammable and dangerous. So, But with these graphene-sodium batteries, they're a lot lighter, they're lightweight, than the lithium ion, but they're a lot more safer as well. So we're going to apply these our go-karts. And the plan is that we're going to look to build four. Well, no, sorry. We're going to look to build two by November of this year and then have them being tested at the last race of the Formula One season in Abu Dhabi. Wow. Yeah. So the plan is we're going to make... <laughs> The plan is we're going to make four graphene e-carts and sell them to uh, people within the UAE and China. And part of the funds, uh, well, they'll be selling them to those people for a highly astronomical fee. Mm-hmm. Part of that money will go to fund, go into the Blair projects to fund disadvantaged youth to take part in our STEM challenge, Proto EV, about the electric carts converting from petrol to electric. Mm-hmm. So that project's will come under a, a separate company called Proto EV, and that'll be working with The Geek, so the Graphene Engineering Innovation Center, and also <laughs> another company, which actually I can't actually say at the moment because it's classified. So yeah, but there's, there's this another company who will be investing 
into Proto EV and they do a lot with graphene composites, which is the mm-hmm. materials. So that's really, really exciting. Um, the plan for the next five years is that we hope to, through these new development developments with our graphene e-carts, which will be, as, as again, a world's first, we'll be looking to be the feeder series for Formula E as there currently doesn't exist, uh, as the feeder series for Formula E doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. We hope to become the feeder series for Formula E. that sounds sounds amazing and yeah I think not just because I am a bit of a motorsports uh, fan but just wow that that's incredible for what you've been working on and and what's to come so will you be going to Abu Dhabi then for the oh hell yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so yes remember me when you get tickets (laughs) I'll get you a flight with me Charlie come with me but yeah no I mean realistically though if you told me Five years ago, I'd be doing stuff around 3D printing, graphene, uh, electric parts. So part of our process with Proto EV is our clients would, we're going to devise something called an e-concession app. So Mm -hmm. basically it's an app that customers will download and then they can make their own design of the car through the app. So if they want it to look like a Batmobile or a Formula One car, but it's going to be a cart, they can do through this app. And you, through AI, it will make it how to make the cart aerodynamic. Oh, so wow. it'll do all the work for us. And then all we do is, is just 3D print through a metal 3D printer, um, the, the body work. And how we're going to do it is that obviously we 3D print them. We're going to be using large 3D printers to print them, but it's not going to be big enough to make the whole frame. So what, through computer-aided design, what we can do is make a cart like Lego. So yeah. you, just connect, you just connect the pieces together. So there'll be big pieces, but let's say a traditional, go car, uh, a traditional car or would probably take about, I don't know, like a thousand or even more components to put together to make, to make the cart fully working. Through a, uh, AI and computer-aided design, you could probably make it where it's all done in about 20 parts. Yeah. So it's like a Lego building block and you just connect the parts and there you go, Bob's your uncle. Uh, The world world of 3D printing is absolutely fascinating. I mean, I've got, um, like my uh, other half has got a MakeBot here uh, and uses that for various prototyping. I'm more of a sort of a basic user, so just download things from Thingiverse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. you know the things that you can see because like 3d printer is not just used for kind of plastic prototyping either is it you can 3d print a house and you know it's it's incredible so for for somebody listening that doesn't or rather that isn't familiar with the world of 3d printing are there any resources you would recommend for somebody to kind of become more familiar with 3d printing or learn a bit more about it well i think if you want to get started into 3d printing some of the, the best ways to get into it is as you say go through websites like thingiverse and just have a play around, see what models you can use and 3D print. Nowadays, you can get 3D printers for like £200, even through Aldi. Aldi even sell their own 3D <laughs> printers. That's how, that's how crazy it is. Aldi sell their own 3D printers. I think Tesco's have started to. Amazon, you can get them really cheap. Learning about the industry of 3D printing, there's a website called 3D Printing Industry. Twitter, a lot of people, if you just type in 3D printing on Twitter, people are always talking about what's next in the game and what's currently existing now. There's a lot. I think just social media is probably the best place to find out about what's happening in the industry. And as I say, from what the time we bought our printers, there were about 
£3,000, but the price, like I say the prices have dropped. So it's now become a lot more affordable and accessible and easier to get into 3D printing. So I would always say, get one, play around through this thing. Either it's just print of design. So I printed something like a, a phone holder for my car so I could have my, so I could use a sat nav and not have <laughs> to like put it in the, in the drinks compartment. It must be a bit of a, like a rite of passage. I did that in green with like a little Batman logo on it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I even did a little uh, toothpaste holder, which was Batman, uh, which was pretty, it was pretty cool. So yeah, so some of the, they're some of the best places to start. And uh, yes, I, once you've got comfortable and you want to start making your own designs, I for me the best way, the best one to use is Autodesk Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty. It's like entry, well, all right, Tinkercad is like entry level CAD. That's the, probably the best one to get started and play around with. And then move over to Autodesk Fusion 360 if you want to make more complex models. Like if you want to like design like a fidget spinner or a, a car, you can go on to yeah, design a car. I think that's probably the best way. And then once you've learned those skills, you can end up building a business where you're designing stuff for other people. And then you 3D print it and you charge a fee uh, for your time and also for 3D printing it. So you could end up building your own business from that. And uh, these are the skills that you're teaching the kids that you come into contact with, isn't yes, it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we do a lot of projects based in Wigan. So we go into schools and also community uh, community clubs. And we, go in, and we go in and teach young people about computer-aided design and 3D printing. So we get them to make their own bespoke products that they can eventually sell to people mm-hmm. within their own community. So they're generate they're essentially becoming their own entrepreneurs. And so that's essentially what they're doing. And then it's building building on from that as well. So we're reducing the because we work a lot with disadvantaged young people, we're reducing the poverty gap, but mm-hmm. also upskilling them. So by the time they finish high school, they can go and do an apprenticeship and doing computer aided design and product designing. Or they can go off to college and university and learn a lot more there. But yeah, I just think there's a lot of opportunities in 3D printing and especially in computer aided design. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's so cool. So <laughs> I do have to ask as well, because motorsports um, is you know historically a very male-dominated industry. Same with uh, engineering. Yeah. I remember, because uh, I did electrical electronic engineering when I went to university, and I was one of nine women in the whole class. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not unheard of. So do you get many women uh, or, or girls showing an interest in what it is that you're doing? Yes, absolutely. A funny fact is, the girls, when it comes to designing and also to the race days, they are the best. They're better <laughs> than the lads. Yes. Which, and I think a slight advantage the girls have when it comes to the racing element is that the girls tend to be a lot lighter than the lads, So, which means they're a lot quicker. Yeah. And especially after one or two laps they feel more comfortable in the car and they end up becoming race demons which is like <laughs> whoa where, where did that come from but yeah so the, i mean the, the the last two well the first two um years of proto gp the girls ended up winning the races and beat the lads and the lads were at first a little bit disheartened i got oh i got beat by a girl but then it's just like what whoa she's actually she was actually really really good she's really talented and sometimes the, the hardest thing at the start of our programs is trying to get the girls engaged because sometimes it's through society and sometimes it might be through the education that engineering is not for girls and it's seen as a, a dirty environment, whereas engineering now is some of the most cleanest working environments uh, in the world. So a lot, And a lot of it's done through computers. 
So you're not having to get your hands dirty anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think essentially what we do is when we work with young young females, it's saying, oh, you're learning computer-aided design and you're making these go-karts, but you can also learn the skills to make whether it's whatever you want, so whether it's bespoke jewellery or like stuff, anything really. You can still, still apply the same technologies. And I think they get it more and they're a lot more creative. Not trying to say, uh, like, females, girls are a lot more creative than the lads, <laughs> but generally, from the, the projects that I've done, the girls tend to be a lot more creative than the lads. And then, yeah, I just think they're, they become a lot more engaged, which you wouldn't, wouldn't think because it's motorsport and it's a seen as predominantly, oh, it's male-dominated. Um, but the girls end up doing a lot, a lot better. So I think after probably about a few weeks, it, it becomes easier to get them engaged. And then it's saying to them, right, you've facilitated this program. They ask, oh, what's next? Well, here's the next avenue. Carry on for your education, go to college, study engineering. And whether you want to do an apprenticeship after that, or you can carry on with their education and go to university and study engineering. Mm. I love that you give them the options as well, because I definitely think I, I didn't want to go to university, but I didn't really feel like there were many other options available or support, especially in the environment that I was in at the time. And um, I think there are some some people that I speak to, some young people now that feel like university is their only option or just go get a job, which is not always the case. Mm. Um, so I think it's wonderful what it is that you're you're doing and also getting, you know, kids of, like, is, is it all ages that you work with or any particular? So in terms of like the uh, electric cart and, and the petrol cart and stuff that we've done with the schools and the community clubs, we've predominantly worked with young people from 14 to 19. But a lot of the stuff around like the 3D printing stuff, uh, so like creating your own bespoke products, we work with young people from the ages of 11 onwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's a lot easier for them to learn like say computer aided design and 3D printing rather than the younger the younger ages so yeah yeah that's the age ranges we work with but predominantly one thing I would say is that a major selling point why the young people become interested and the story I tell them is that I'd say engineering there's a massive skill shortage the average age of of an engineer now is like 58 wow so which means they're paying high wages at the minute so just to give you an example there was a young lad who we worked with 16 years old, had gone through our program and went to study, went to a training center to study engineering. So it was meant to be a four-year course and he learns everything about engineering and then gets put to put into a company at the end of it. It was meant to be four years, 16 years old, only ended up doing one year and a company snapped him up and said, right, we need we need them right now. We can't wait four years down the line. We need engineers now. So he was 17 years old and he's on £38,000 a year. Which, I mean, I know when I was 18, I was like, give me that right now. Like, I'll be on shopping sprees every weekend. Uh, <laughs> and how, how, I don't know how, like, that must be an absolute minefield to go from school learning nothing. Might have not even worked to earning £38,000 a year. And a lot of the young people are like, whoa, like, that's, that's a heck of a lot of money. Uh, hmm. I'm not saying go into engineering just for the money, because I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, I'd never say to do that. But, if you've got a passion for engineering and you come from that background where you come from that disadvantaged background, what we try and tell the young people is that there are a lot of opportunities that can enrich your life. Mm. And engineering is, it allows you to be creative. Mm. So you're not going to always get everything right. And that's one of the things we teach young people on our program is that 
you're never going to solve things first time around. You're going to have to carry on working on it, working on it, working on it to get it right. So it's a problem solving, essentially. Um, like business. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Although it probably takes you a good few years to ever get to that point. Uh, but yeah, but it, it is. It's just like business, just problem solving every day. And not every day is the same. And yeah. I think young people end up enjoying the program. And partly because it's practical work that we're doing. So it's not all theory. It's probably only about 15% of it is theory. The rest is all practical. And I yeah. think a, a lot of a lot, there are a lot of young people who are more practical learners. And then there are some that are theory-based. Mm-hmm. But you can tell you can always tell in the programs who's practical and who's theory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cases for the different learning styles as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could talk to you for absolutely forever um, about <laughs> this topic <laughs> because it's amazing. Um, and I think one thing that they definitely don't teach you while you're, you're learning engineering at university is like how to become an entrepreneur or, or in business. I don't think even a, a degree in business would teach you what you need to know and no. I think you know we, we talked about this uh, a while ago which is like the kind of you know the roller coaster and the ups and the downs of uh, involved in running your own business yes uh, and having the support from the people in your network and from the people around you to kind of like you know support you through those lows and celebrate with you during those highs as well yes yes I mean one of the, one of the things I would say is being in business, the one thing I've had to learn, it was very difficult for me when I first started my company, was making difficult decisions. I think that is the one of the key areas in terms of like projects to take on, in terms of who you work with. And I think sometimes it, it can also be staff as well. Mm-hmm. If, let's say, for instance, if they're not performing as well, sometimes you have to make those difficult decisions. And at the start, when I first started my company, I was a bit, I was worried about like I don't, I don't know what the best way to say this is. Is I didn't really want to hurt anybody's feelings and piss anybody off. I was very uh, I will reserve from doing that. But then sometimes you think, well, sometimes you've got to make those difficult decisions if you're going to excel. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't want to be held back. So that's that's one area I would say it, you're going to have to be able to do in businesses make those difficult decisions even though you don't want to and you're gonna feel like awful inside you've just got to do it as nike would say just do it (laughs) (laughs) yes nike oh my gosh Uh, literally a a company to follow in terms of uh, leadership in marketing and advertising but that's a whole other conversation (laughs) (laughs) oh and as well one thing I would say, uh, if you really want to get into the entrepreneurial game, and this is like a plug, like you should pay me for this, um, but there's a really good entrepreneur's channel on YouTube called Valuetainment, which is run by a chap called Patrick Bet David. But he literally just gives you the, the lowdown of areas you need to get to and skills to work on to be a, a top performing entrepreneur. Although his channel is based in the US, so some of the things might not correlate to the UK. But if you want to learn more about entrepreneurship, that's a good place to start. And then there's courses on Udemy and even LinkedIn do courses as well. So Yeah, LinkedIn. I mean, I think LinkedIn learning is a fantastic resource that, you know, everybody should tap into. It's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, there's lots of different courses available. I think it's more that, you know, do your research before you you pay for a course. Make sure that you're learning from the right person who teaches yeah. you in a style that you want to learn, that you can learn, and that understands what it is that you want to achieve as well. I um, completely agree there. 
Yeah, because there's so many people teaching entrepreneurship <laughs> these days. Uh, lots of bold claims of like, you know, reach six figures in six months and all these kind of crazy things. Um, <laughs> yeah, come across those. Thank God I didn't pay for them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah I think it's like you know do the research and the same as what Nell said earlier about a coach and a mentor you know they're worth their weight in gold no matter what stage you are in business whether you're just getting started but it's really really important to make sure that you find somebody that's the right fit for you and for your situation and don't be yeah don't be afraid to kind of try try a few out before you get started either you don't have to commit to anything exactly and one one of the things I would say is a little tip as another tip as well is when setting up a business, you don't always have to be... So, for example, uh, electric carts and carting, I am not a train engineer, <laughs> but I'm really good at finding the right people and connecting with the right people. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I would say to anybody. So Graphene Electric Carts, before joining the program at Manchester University's Graphene Engineering Innovation Center, I knew nothing about graphene. All I knew is that it would be cool to build use graphene on our go-karts. I approached the CEO of The Geek and said, I got an idea. I think it would be great to use graphene in our electric cars. And he was taken aback and thought, wow, yeah, that's, that sounds absolutely amazing because the problem that they've had at, uh, at The Geek is, although it's discovered 15 years ago, graphene, they're still trying to commercialize it. Mm-hmm. So they need innovative projects uh, like ours to really commercialize graphene. So the point I'm trying to say from that story is that even if you're not the engineer who's designing that product or the person who's marketing that product, you can always find somebody to do those roles. So you, in essence, just become the facilitator. So you are the the ideas person, but you just bring the right people to the table that can make your vision come to life. Yeah, that is such amazing advice. And for anybody that's listening to this whilst on the move, um, I will summarize some of these key tips and also any links or anything like that. I'll put some show notes on my website so you can catch up instead of thinking, oh, I wish they'd sort of stopped giving away all this. (laughs) I can't write them down. So yes, we will include that. But that tip is incredible because I think especially from my own experience, when you run a business, you think that you have to do everything yourself, which is not the case at all. Because otherwise you just end up in this kind of like roller coaster of madness and we'll find that you don't get anywhere quickly. Finding those people that are really good at, at the things that you need help with. And yeah, being that facilitator is the key thing to help you achieve your goals. And don't be afraid to go and ask others. You know, if you know the person that can help you, go and ask them directly or find somebody that could introduce you to the person that you need to speak to, like Nell said earlier. And I think there's some crazy statistic that I think somebody is 60% more likely to work with you or help you out if they've been introduced by somebody else. Yeah. You know, so absolutely amazing advice there. So I think we are coming up to the end of time here, otherwise we can go on forever. (laughs) And in my head, I'm like, oh, I need to interview um, the person at Manchester University and talk about graphene because I really want to know more about that. (laughs) For sure. If you need somebody to connect you with that person. Think of just the person. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so no, just before we finish, um, do you have anything that you want to add before? Because also tell us how to keep in touch with you and how to find out and keep up to date with what it is that you're doing as well. So yes, I mean, at the moment, our biggest project at the minute is the Graphene e-carts. I haven't even mentioned about the stuff that we're doing with Industry 4.0. My colleague, Dr. Marilyn Comrie, she's working on a project with 
one of the largest food and drink manufacturers in the UK, as well as uh, Salford University, on building this new demonstrator in Greater Manchester that will house these new and emerging technologies that will be able to upskill the existing workforce in the food and drink manufacturing sector. So my colleague, uh, Marilyn, wrote the Industry 4.0 for SMEs report, which was funded by Innovate UK. So that's, that, again, or gave her, but also as well, the Blair Project, even more coverage throughout the, the UK. And it's been seen by people in the US as well, which is absolutely phenomenal. There's even a lot more exciting stuff on the horizon, but I can't mention them as of yet. But stay tuned. So if you want to follow more about what we're doing at the Blair Project, or even what we're doing in our other venture, Proto EV. For the Blair Project, we're on Facebook at the Blair Project, Instagram and Twitter, or at Get Me Motoring. And you can hit us up on our website, which is www.theblairproject.org. And in terms of the stuff that we're doing with Proto EV and the electric carts, the graphene electric carts, we're on Twitter at Proto EV UK and Instagram as well. It's at Proto EV UK. And yeah, uh, that's that's all I've got. But yeah, as, um, one more last thing I'd say. Thank you to Charlie for inviting me onto the podcast. It's been an amazing... Oh, we're just going about an hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been an amazing hour of conversation. And I hope to any other viewers watching at work or home or on transport that, uh, yeah, you've really enjoyed this podcast and you've taken on some some insights on, from what I've said and if you want to connect with me on any any way uh, I'm on LinkedIn at Niall Henry I think there's only I think there's only two in the world so just look for the guy that's smiling like this that's <laughs> got the cheesiest yeah. smile in the world yes I'm on Instagram as well at Niall Henry as well and just a quick quick point before we go because I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast that are dying to find out is that um, how is your brother doing in terms of his career in motorsports at the moment just quickly so you know for people that are wondering because I know that if I didn't know you and was listening to this podcast I'd be like right okay but how's his brother doing (laughs) so yeah I mean he's had to take a bit of a hiatus um, in the last year or two only because we've got to a point where he was doing karting before, professional karting, but he's got past the stage of karting now. So we're trying to take him up to the next level, which we're going to try and get him to rally racing, rally nice. car racing. So he just needs to go and do his ARDS test, which you'll take at Alton Parks. So that's basically here to get your professional racing license. And then the plan is, yeah, to get him into rally cars and then try and work his way up from there. But he's going to be one of the test drivers for these new graphene e-carts. So the eventual plan is that if we can get the two of them built by November for the last race, uh, he will be doing the test driving of these new e-carts at the Abu Dhabi race circuit, which is wow. phenomenal. You like you kind of win the award for the super brother of the <laughs> My brother got me to race. Oh, it got me to the Abu Dhabi uh, F1 would just be phenomenal. Oh, no, I can't wait to hear your journey about how, how things turn out. Very, very excited for you. Thank you so much for coming onto this podcast. And yeah, like I said, just to sum up, uh, I will uh, summarize some of the key points and uh, any links that we've mentioned to other organizations. So if you are listening, don't fret. Uh, just go to charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. All of the information will be on there. And yeah, connect with Nell on LinkedIn, follow him on social media and keep up to date with what's going on and yeah i will see you on the next episode thanks so much now see you later guys when you're working on exciting projects in tech or trying to change the world it's hard to focus on marketing and it might not seem like a big priority for you right now 
Talking about what you're working on and the driving force behind why you're doing it will help you raise your profile in your industry and keep your audience up to date and interested. My goal for this podcast is to share the amazing things that businesses and individuals are working on that will shape the world of tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform and share it with the others that you think would benefit. If you liked it loads, then feel free to leave me a review. All the show notes and any links mentioned in today's episode will be available on my website. That's charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.